Welcome to the Inspired Living with Autoimmunity podcast, the podcast for high achievers who want to stay sharp, focused, and full of energy despite their diagnosis. With your host, National Board Certified Functional Medicine Health Coach, Julie Michelson, where Julie helps you take your power back from autoimmunity. And now here's your host, Julie Michelson. Welcome back to the Inspired Living with Autoimmunity podcast. I'm your host, Julie Michelson. And today we're joined by Dr. Sharla Aronson, biological dentist and founder of Aronson Family Dental in Fort Collins, Colorado. In our conversation, we explore what biological dentistry is, how it differs from traditional dentistry, and why it may be the answer you're looking for to finally alleviate your autoimmune symptoms. Dr. Aronson, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Julie. Thanks for having me. I am so excited for this conversation because I just think that people really need to hear what you have to say. But also, I, I always forget living in the world that I live in, that the general, there's so many things the general population just has never heard. Right? So yeah, so I'm excited to, to get started. I know you started as a traditional dentist, mm -hmm. and so I'm curious how, what kind of triggered you to enter the world of biological dentistry? Absolutely. Well, as you were saying, there's a lot of things people don't know. And as a dentist, I didn't know that biologic dentistry even existed. Sure. I discovered functional medicine after I had my first child, kind of went through that not feeling great, something's not right, and got tuned into that for myself. And it was through my functional medicine doctor that I learned that there's something called biologic dentistry. And the more that I learned about biologic dentistry, the more I realized I have to do it. You know, it, it's one of those things, once you learn it, you can't unlearn it and you can't practice the old way anymore. <laughs> That's the perfect segue into what in the world is biological dentistry. <laughs> I like to think of it as the functional medicine of dentistry. So instead of, you know, just trying to treat your cavities and send you on your way, we want, number one, honor the fact that your mouth is attached to the rest of your body. So what we're doing in your mouth is affecting your body and the condition of your body is affecting your mouth. The other thing that's really critical with biologic dentistry is we know that each individual is unique and therefore our approach for them needs to be individualized. So we're looking at, we're talking about so much more than just flossing and avoiding sugar, right? We're looking at how does gut health relate to your mouth? What does your, or, your oral pH have to do with disease? How does your airway impact it? Your skeletal formation? your habits, what toxins are you exposed to, all of that. So we're just looking a lot deeper. We still do dentistry, you know, we're you, but we do utilize other tools to make sure that we're helping optimize healing and disinfecting. So things like laser, ozone, we do biocompatibility testing to make sure that what I'm putting in your body isn't, you know, triggering something immune, an immune reaction in you. All the things. All the I'm things. so excited. I'm like, oh, there's so many rabbit holes <laughs> to go down. And I'm so, I'm thrilled that and maybe I heard, heard it from you and just didn't even realize when 
people ask me about biological dentistry, that's always my answer is like, it's like the functional medicine of dentistry. <laughs> so yes. I've been doing it right. Yay. <laughs> it's, that's the best way I have to describe it, right? It's, sure. Yeah. Yes. And it's not like you said, you're, it is, it's still dentistry. Like you're, you're still, I know from firsthand experience, you know, handling issues that, that arise. Mm-hmm. So I want to start even like basic and then kind of work into some of the really super exciting things, because again, this goes back to things that I think are so well known if anybody is aware of functional medicine or the health space. So let's just talk about basic care. Yeah. Um, And in particular, toothpaste. Okay. Because I feel like you probably have a little bit of a different take on it than somebody's traditional dentist. Yes, absolutely. You know, and one of the one of the things I was thinking as you were speaking is the reason I think we call it biologic at it dentistry is that it is again dentistry, but we're and it's all based on science. Um, there's incredible organizations that do the research that know, you know, that we can look into these things and it is backed by that. But as far as toothpaste, we use an alternative to fluoride called hydroxyapatite, which is the mineral that makes up most of your tooth. So instead of using a chemical to remineralize and heal teeth, we're using the actual mineral that makes up the teeth. You can go into a rabbit hole on fluoride. I, I couldn't not bring it up though, because oh. this is an autoimmune podcast. Yes. And so I, I will, pro- I'm probably way more comfortable to say things that you, so these aren't your words, these are mine. I tell my clients, number one, fluoride is a neurotoxin. So putting it in your mouth, not a great idea. Right. Even if you're not smart, I, ha- I do have, I have fantastic clients and some of them are wise asses. You know, I, you don't have to be swallowing it where you're absorbing through your mouth. Right. Then specifically more autoimmune, we know when they talk about research and science that, that fluoride can exacerbate thyroid conditions. Correct. And so... You know, I go beyond toothpaste. It's always the first thing I'm like, what are, what are you using? Yes. <laughs> you know, filtered water, our skin absorbs as well. But just getting that fluoride toothpaste that has been pushed on us most of our lives out of, out of people's mouths, I think is a huge improvement. Absolutely. I completely agree. And I, you know, what made sense to me is when I realized that Fluoride is a stronger molecule than iodine. We know how important iodine is for that thyroid. But then we're, you know, giving ourselves fluoride that's just kicking it out. So you've got to get rid of that. We need to, you know, help support our thyroid and not have some, give it something that's competing. So yeah. And we have such great alternatives that there's just not a need for it. Yeah. And thank goodness this is a time where you don't have to make your own toothpaste. <laughs> there's, there are more and more products coming out all the time. I always say, and I am like a clean bean at home, but I don't, I don't make my own detergent. I don't make my own soap. Like, you know, right. That's every week. I feel like there are more truly clean products coming out there. And why wouldn't you use something that can help you put tooth in instead of not? Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So I love that. So. I want to, because again, we could talk for four hours and I still wouldn't get to all the things I want listeners to know. 
So I'm going to try really hard to steer as much of it directly toward autoimmunity as I can. Okay. So I want to talk about this connection between dental health and autoimmunity and how, which ties into how I found out about, you know, biological dentistry before I had a biological dentist. Yeah. Because I was referring clients. So, so what is that connection? Or one of? Right. I was going to say, there's a few. (laughs) You know, the most well-known connection that even conventional dentists should be talking about is the fact that dentists are constantly dealing with a chronic inflammatory condition. Gingivitis, periodontitis are both conditions of inflammation, right? And in susceptible individuals, if we have that inflammation ongoing, we can have autoimmunity, right? One of the other things specific to dentistry and autoimmunity is dentistry utilizes a lot of metals in our restorations, whether it's the mercury-containing amalgams, right, which amalgam means a mix of metals. We're using all kinds of metals in the mouth, or even restorations like crowns that contain metals. But again, metals and susceptible individuals can cause inflammation and can trigger autoimmunity. And then I would say kind of the third thing that is ongoing in the mouth is we will often have hidden infections in the mouth for those people who have seen the movie Root Cause. That's what they're talking about. They didn't necessarily point that out so well, but it's they're talking about the fact that we can have infections that are asymptomatic, but that are really terrible for your health, right? There's bacteria that are leaching toxins into your body, inflammation that you don't know about. And so biologic dentists specifically, we're spending a lot of time looking for those hidden infections. Sometimes for my patients that have autoimmunity or chronic health conditions, it's just one of those things that they don't realize is an underlying contributor. And I love that you highlighted that because so often we think, oh my gosh, you know, I'm somebody, I'm like a baby with mouth pain. Mouth pain is is real. Even at the height of my RA, when my whole body was in pain, if I had mouth pain, it was a whole different story. But you do, you think of if you had an infection, you know, brewing in the mouth, you would feel it, you would, you know, smell something, you would, you would know. And so that's one of the reasons I wanted to highlight that and why they can be so difficult to detect unless right. you're going to somebody like you who's looking. Right. What, how, how, how do people get these hidden infections if it's not this big thing that they know about? Right. I know it, it shocks me all the time. I find hidden infections every week. And most of the time, people just don't even know it's there. Partially, it's because the bone doesn't have a lot of nerve sensation, right? And that's where we find it is in this bone. It happens for a couple of reasons. Number one, if you have a tooth that is not vital, that is dead, it doesn't have a nerve, it can't feel anything. So that would be like a root canal treated tooth that maybe has an infection around it and people just have no idea, you know, that it's there. Again, once the nerve dies, people just don't know. So even if it hasn't had a root canal, but the tooth is dead, we can get an infection around that. If there's trauma to the bone, we can develop an infection in that. And then finally, in an area where a tooth was removed, and if it didn't heal completely, we can develop an infection in the jawbone and just not symptomatic. But 
all the time, it's, you know, the bacteria are leaching toxins into your bloodstream. You're having cytokines in that area and it's just not a healthy situation. So you mentioned when a tooth is removed, wisdom teeth, because I think that's such a common, especially years ago, you know, that was kind of automatic. Like, yes. Oh, you're old enough. Let's take your wisdom teeth out. Right. Exactly. And, you know, one of the things that we're dealing with in the mouth, if you think if, if you were going to have surgery on your elbow, they would take you into an operating room in a sterile environment, right? They would do the surgery, be sterile, it would be closed. They're controlling for infection in the mouth. We can't sterilize it, right? And so when you take out wisdom teeth, you have this big gaping wound that has bacteria constantly bathing it. And in particular, there's something called a periodontal ligament that's around teeth. And if you leave that soft tissue in the bone, it may not always heal all the way. So, and then you're trapping bacteria from the mouth. So it's just, it's a hard situation um, that you have to try to, you know, help the body heal and it doesn't always heal. And you have tricks and tools that you use when you do dental procedures. So I feel like this is just the perfect segue and where I would do want to circle back to root canals. But you, you do you do procedures in your office. What are you doing that's different? Yeah, so we're trying to prevent that that cycle, right? We don't want infection. So when we take a tooth out, we're removing that periodontal ligament, especially. I mean, always, but when you have an infected tooth, the ligament around the tooth is also infected. And if we leave that tissue in there, we're leaving all that bacteria. So we're removing the ligament, but also all those bacteria are in this porous bone. So we need to utilize things that can get in there. We use laser because the light energy will actually kill the bad bacteria. And we use ozone to get in there and clean it out. And then finally, instead of leaving a big gaping wound, we actually use something called platelet-rich fibrin or PRF, similar to PRP people might be familiar with, where we actually take a vial of the person's blood, spin down the growth factors, make a clot and put it in there. So we put the clot in, it's going to speed up heat healing. It's going to prevent dry sockets because what a dry socket is, is when you lose your blood clot, and now you have the bone just exposed to the mouth and getting infected. I just thought dry socket was just painful. It is painful, but <laughs> it is. It mm-hmm. is indeed. And I, I, I want to share because it can sound overwhelming. I know you know this because I've shared with you for years as I'm referring other people to you who, you know, just weren't healing the way I would expect by handling the other things. Mm-hmm. I, I, for several years have been like, I need to go, you know, I need to go, I need to go, I need to go. I wonder, and of course, less urgency because I feel great, but I wonder, I wonder, you know, what's going on in my mouth. And and so it can sound overwhelming if you're sitting, if you're listening and you're thinking, oh my gosh, I had wisdom teeth out or I had root canals. I, you know, I wonder if it's, it's not too late to address, you know, old, old issues and, and handle these infections. But in my simple mind, I think like, oh my gosh, if there's an infection in the bone, that means you have to, you know, almost like surgically, you know, open open up the tissue and get in there. And that's not the case. <laughs> so I, I just share with listeners how how you do handle. Well, first, let's actually, let's talk diagnostics. 
How do you know? Um, yes. Somebody shows up. And and so how are you even finding out, you know, if this is something that's been brewing in there 20, 30? I mean, I had my wisdom teeth out 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. You can't see it on a two-dimensional x-ray, which is the kind of x-ray that you're routinely getting at the dentist. You have to take a 3D x-ray or a cone beam is what we call it to be able to see that. These type of infections will hide but we can see them on CT. And so first and foremost, it's getting that CT to check. And then, you know, how to treat it, if you treat it. Some some dentists would say you don't treat it. Some dentists would say you absolutely treat it. Again, part of that individualized conversation with the patient is for you, you know, do we treat this and how? You can surgically go back in, open the site, clean it out, do laser, do ozone, do PRF, close it up. It is a little bit hard to justify doing that, right? So can we try something that's more conservative? The conservative treatment that we use is ozone. And so ozone is a, I think of it as a super oxygen. It's three oxygen molecules. It is not ozone. Like when you hear about an ozone warning day, (laughs) what we call dirty ozone, right? It's mixed with pollution and you're getting VOCs mixing and that is not what we're using. No. We're using a pure medical grade oxygen to create this O3. Now we can then use it to, we can inject it uh, and it will then break down into peroxides. It will oxygenate this tissue, right? Because the bacteria that we're dealing with that are causing these issues are all anaerobes. That means you expose them to oxygen, they rupture, they die. I love, I love, I'm like, I'm going to learn so much today. So yeah. Just so out of sheer curiosity, why, unless, you know, the patient doesn't want to do it, like, is there, what would be the case where you would say, we're not going to treat? Like, if someone's coming to you, and I know you get all all walks of people, but let's stay in the, like, you know, somebody with autoimmune symptoms that are not resolving. Would there be a, a time where you would be like, oh, you know, oh, we see this infection in there, just leave it? No, not usually. It's, I'm thinking of the people that maybe they, they're in perfect health. They have not a, not an right. issue at all. And they, and in that case, we're going to monitor things. We're going to take a, a 3D x-ray maybe every three to five years and make sure nothing is changing. Because often, you know, with any disease, it's about kind of the perfect storm, right? It's not, it's lowering the threshold of the things that are causing the inflammation of the things right. that are triggering. And right. so that's what we're trying to help do. And, you know, in the patients with autoimmunity where they can't do it, this may be the thing that is holding them back. Right. Or I'll see like patients who have a, another condition like Lyme or mold and they're doing all the detox and they're doing all the treatment and they cannot clear it. It keeps reactivating. That may be something that's kind of hiding in these areas because they don't have, it, you know, this jawbone doesn't have great blood flow. It's an area where it kind of can just go fester and then reactivate. So the ozone is helping kill it, whether it's, you know, ozone will kill bacteria, fungi, viruses, even some parasites, right? So it's kind of getting all of that cleared up. It's stimulating the immune system. It's an irritant a little bit to the body. So it's saying, hello. Send, send good guys here to clean it, clean it up and stimulating blood flow. So it's just kind of helping improve healing, disinfect, and then allow your body to do the healing of its own. 
the nice thing about ozone is we're not doing a surgical procedure. It's injections, right? So not a lot of risk to the patient either, right? Sure. For sure. And they're not, uh, uh, speaking from experience, it, it's really not a big deal. It sounds like a big deal. It, it's, it's not for the patient. There's, you know, there's really not, there's no downtime. There's no pain. It's, it's really a simple procedure, which is why even though I'm asymptomatic, I'm like, no, we'll go in there and get it. And I'm an ozone fan anyway. And that's one place I certainly have never inj- injected my own mouth. Um, nor will I. <laughs> But, you know, it, it's it, it's just that you know, we use it for non-dentistry applications as well. And, and ozone can be really, really helpful. And I love that you said, I, I remember I used to say, you know, oh, I, I'm going to find the, the root cause, you know, the one the one thing causing, you know, my autoimmunity, somebody else's autoimmunity. And so I, I lo- it is always what's tipping the scale, like what is holding your body at that place? And so if you're eating well and managing stress and, and, you know, careful about toxins and you're sleeping well and you're moving right and you're still not better. I mean, I would love for when this is the norm and people aren't, it's not just like, oh, if you're sick and you've done all these things, find a biological dentist. Right. I think everybody should have one. But, and one day, this is why right. we have these conversations. Absolutely. Oh. I think it's the dentistry of the future. I think yeah. You know, people and the dentists will eventually start being like, I'm tired of coming in and having cavities every time. And, you know, you're going to do another one. And why can't we, you know, start to get to maybe like what's going on? But why? Functional it's, medicine, it's, right? It's, yeah. You ask the question, why? Right. Yes. Why is this happening? And let's go after that and we'll fix whatever's going on. But, you know, let's let's really get to the cause. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And when you were saying, yeah, that w- from all my biologic training, that is the thing I come away with is it's not one thing. Right. It's all of it. Right. And so when we look at patients, we're looking really comprehensively. And then how do we, you know, one, what can we educate the patient on? How can, so say if I have a patient who's not even seen a functional person, but they're one of my patients and and I'm thinking, why do they have cavities all the time, right? We're talking about, or I'm referring them to someone to go look at your gut health because that is impacting right. your mouth, right? It's it's just so much more than, again, sugar, flossing. No, no, no. It's so much more. And, and yes, all those little pieces. Those were yes, sugar oh, is absolutely. inflammatory and we should floss. Just yes. to, <laughs> so, but that's yep. the, the, yeah, the tip of the, that's like the base, like beyond below basics. It's not even... You mentioned toxins and mercury specifically and other metals. You know, for me, there's that direct connect because toxins are such a driver of autoimmunity. So even somebody who doesn't have hidden infections and, and, you know, gave up their fluoride and, you know, can can still be having issues. And here's one of the, the areas where I always like to be really careful how we talk about Toxins and specifically, you know, mercury and amalgams. And I, I don't want anybody to go running to their dentist and ask to get their dental work replaced. Right. Because I am the perfect example of, you know, often, no, we don't want mercury leaching in our mouth no matter what. But that removal process done in the traditional way is 
I think, way more dangerous than just leaving that dental work intact. Right. And, and so I just want to touch on smart removal and, and what's different about, you, you know, the precautions you take when you are, you know, replacing old dental work. Right. Yeah. So those amalgams are 50% mercury. And when it's in your mouth, depending on whose kind of research you're looking at, conventional dentistry would say it's fine. It's in our, it's not interacting. If you look at the International Academy of Oral Medicine and Toxicology, they have a lot of research and have done a lot of research on what happens when you chew, what happens when you put heat in your mouth. But what we do know and what I I don't know that even the ADA can argue is that when we drill on these fillings, which is what we have to do to take them out, we will absolutely be releasing mercury. And so, as you said, like, don't just run out and get them done the conventional way because you're going to be getting mercury in your mouth. You're going to be swallowing it. It's getting on your tissue and you're inhaling it. You want to use a dentist that protects you, right? So we have a protocol called the SMART protocol, safe mercury amalgam technique. And we're going to protect your tissue first and foremost. We we're going to, well, before you even get to the procedure, we are thinking about, are your detox pathways open and supported already? And so that's where I'm talking to the functional medicine doctor, right? To their coach, to somebody to make sure that, you know, we're not constipated, that your liver and your kidneys are working, right? All of those pathways are open. We want to make sure we're optimizing antioxidants prior so that if you get any exposure, you're detoxing it. We're typically going to have some sort of binder be taken before and after. That way, if any gets in there, you're binding it and excreting it. So that's even the prep is different, right? When you actually do the procedure, we're also protecting your tissue with a rubber dam and with activated charcoal rinses. The way that I take out the actual amalgam is different. I'm trying to take it out in just chunks and pieces instead of just pulverizing the whole thing, (laughs) turning it all into vapor dust. Yeah. Exactly. We use a special vacuum that's right right by your mouth that has HEPA filters on it to collect that vapor. And then the patient, importantly, is also on a, a separate oxygen source. So you're not inhaling, you know, all of that as well. We're also using like two suctions in your mouth to prevent you from inhaling. And so it's a whole, it's a whole procedure. But again, it was, it was made by the International Academy of Oral Medicine and Toxicology, and they have done the research on when we do it without, here's your exposure, and when we do with the precautions, we've lowered your exposure so much more because we just don't want to trigger something something in someone. Right. right. Or, I mean, take somebody who's you know not feeling well when they show up, you're exacerbating it. I can't even imagine. My, my daughter, listeners may know I've mentioned it before, but my, I had a bunch of dental work replaced when my daughter, when I was pregnant with my daughter and she has mercury toxicity and she's worked on it over the years. But when we first did her toxin panel, her mercury was through the roof and I had to, you know, because luckily I know enough now I could connect those dots of like, oh my gosh, she got exposed in utero. And I, I had a ton of dental work done when I was pregnant with her. So, yeah. And that's like, we would not 
do it when somebody's pregnant unless we absolutely have to. Right. Even in nursing, we're avoiding it, you know, because we just don't want the child to be exposed. And thanks for sharing that story. I mean, for me, that was as soon as I learned about all of this, I learned about how much exposure I've had in my life. I mean, I I've been told since dental school, it's fine. It's fine. Yeah, it you release mercury when you drill it out, but you're fine. Like we didn't, I've never been told to take any precautions. I was pregnant while doing it un. You know, I take it out every day. I have no protection. My first child and, well, and subsequently second child were both born with hearing loss, sensory neural hearing loss. So I don't, I don't know, right? I learned after the fact, like, while they had exposure, at the same time, I feel like the conversation of epigenetics was coming out, right? Mm -hmm. Because yes, there's a genetic component with having two children probably that have hearing loss, but is it epigenetic? We've never seen it anywhere in our family. But right. did, did it something turn on that gene? Right. Yeah. And so my biggest takeaway from that, and I think I didn't want to become a biologic dentist. I didn't want to be like, I, I seriously went into this kicking and screaming. I didn't want to be different. I didn't want to stand out. I don't necessarily want to be the spokesperson, but I cannot practice it because I know, and I know that what I'm doing can impact other people. And that especially with this epigenetic information, what I do can impact these people yeah, for the rest of their lives, right? You can turn these genes on and off. Well, and to be clear, my daughter happens to be my youngest. So had I had a subsequent pregnancy that ended with a baby, that baby too would have had mercury toxicity because it was just living in my toxic soup. And I I think that's the other piece is, you know, the the mercury thing's not new. It's just finally like indisputable at this point you know it used to be like oh you know the crazies and the conspiracy theorists and and now it's like no it's science it's just science oh yeah well there's that piece where you're unprotected but also it really wasn't that long ago that that we believed that oh the placenta was like this magical filter and the baby was just you know, cocooned with pure blood and and safe and so not drunk and do all the things. It's fine. Yeah. Right. It's it's all good. I I know. Uh, Yeah. I mean, we had, I mean, we have had some, definitely some changes and some wins. In 2020, the FDA Safety Commission finally said, do not put dental amalgams in, and this is in the U.S., mind you. In other countries, it's banned. But in the U.S., at least we've had wins. Don't put it in pregnant women. Don't put oh. it in any nursing women, children, oh. people who have impaired kidney function. Don't put it in people with pre-existing neurologic diseases. So we're getting recognition, right? Um, well, and they, to be fair, they have to be careful because if they come out and say, like, we're, and I'll say it, people, it's fine, you know, mercury is bad, it's toxic, <laughs> I, I, I used to love playing with, you're young, but I used to play with, my favorite thing was the broken thermometer because mercury was so fun to play with. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. I know. It's a, it's a kind of a cool thing, but we don't, just don't do it. It's not good. But, you know, the, we, it's been used for so long and we've been told it was safe for so long that if, you know, Somebody like the FDA finally came out and said, you know, it is toxic. I can't even imagine, you know, everybody would just go nuts. 
but it is toxic. And so I'm glad that there are steps being taken to at least protect cer- certain populations. Right. Right. Yeah. It's yeah. A, it's a, it, it's a big win and a baby step all at the yeah. same time. Right. But that's okay. I know. <laughs> I know. And I think it's what's hard is one, I don't think all the dentists know, right? We were told it's sure. fine. There's no right. precautions taken for us. Two, the intention of the amalgams from the get-go was good. Right. Prior to that, we would just extract teeth because you either got gold, you could afford gold, or you had yep. to take teeth out, right? So yeah. we've been able to save a lot of teeth, which helps with function and all of that. But we have better options now. Yeah. And so it's... What are the better options? That's a great... I didn't even think yeah. to go there, right? So yeah. we're like, okay, you know... We we know you don't want amalgams. We know that even things like crowns can have metal, you know, in them. Mm-hmm. So how how do people even know if they ask their dentist? I've had this experience actually in the past. But if they uh, say to their dentist, "I don't want amalgam," and the dentist will say, "Oh no, it's not." You know, how do you know what you're getting or what should you be asking for if you don't already have a biological dentist? Yeah, I think first just be comfortable asking. Yeah. You have a right to know what's going in your mouth. So you can ask, you know, what's it going to be? And, you know, if it's a filling, we're going to use some sort of resin. There are many different types types of resin. In in my office, we use one that instead of having plastic particles in it, they are ceramic particles, right? This is why you're my dentist. Because <laughs> yeah, we don't, if we can avoid the plastics in your mouth, let's avoid that, right? Yeah. But you have to be intentional about it. That, of course, is not going to be the least expensive kind of composite or resin. The other alternatives that are great are either a zirconia or like some sort of ceramic. So if you need a crown or even an implant, there are zirconia implants. So we have options. A biologic dentist, too, one of the things that we will do for people, we can do it with everybody, but specifically for people who we know they have a sensitive immune system, they have sensitivities, they have autoimmunity, those kind of things, we can do a biocompatibility test. That's where they actually test your blood serum with all the dental materials. And we get a list of reactive, not reactive. And so that way, what we're selecting for you is not triggering something. It's just so huge. It, It really is. Yeah, it's Truly amazing. So we covered ozone and kind of the the do's and the don'ts. So do you think like kids should be just this is should be the new dentistry? So, you know, even pediatrics, they shouldn't be going and getting fluoride trays. And (laughs) are they still doing that? I'm guessing they're still doing that. They are still doing it. Yeah. I mean, in the ideal world, it would be more of a conversation of, Diet, gut health, pH, looking at how the child is sleeping, mouth breathing plays a huge part in one oral microbiome, right? So if we have a unhealthy microbiome, we're going to be set up for disease, but also the pH, right? So an acidic mouth is going to lead to cavities. Cavities by nature are when acid destroys the enamel. That would be the ideal, right? But Fluoride in general for kids, yeah, we don't use that. We would be using ozone if we instead, you know, we can actually use ozone gas on those areas that we're worried about. Yeah. 
alternative. But then you're looking for why is it happening even right. then. I wasn't playing. This is a rabbit hole I was going to leave untouched, but now I can't. <laughs> you mentioned mouth breathing and how yes. kids are sleeping. Yes. You met you earlier said, you know, bone structure mm-hmm. affects affects us. So but I just want to really lightly touch on I know on on know. apnea. <laughs> and you know, you know, in addition to autoimmunity, I'm a certified Bredesen Ricode 2.0 coach. I work with Alzheimer's and cognitive decline. And all, it the the over you can't as you mentioned, like your mouth is part of your body. That sounds right. like so crazy. Everything, the overlap is is just unbelievable. So from dental health, but this bone structure, apnea, and, and people think it sounds crazy to be considering whether your children have apnea or not. Well, yeah, uh, but you can't. I don't think you can ignore it. And luckily, even dentistry as a whole is getting it. So okay. like our conventional conference this year was almost all airway. We cannot really? ignore Oh, that it makes anymore. me so excited. Yeah, it's, I think it's kind of the, I think it's the entry point for a lot of dentists. So I'm inspired that they're going to be like, well, wait a minute, because now... It's, you start to tie because all it, of it together. Yeah, you can't you can't keep it com- compartmentalized. No, at all. And I joke. I I remember. I have I had a friend growing up who had a palate expander, and I'm old enough that it was kind of rare. Even though you know many went had braces. Everybody, you know, all my siblings, all we all had braces, and I was. Like I felt so bad for him and I was so glad I didn't need a palate expander. And now I'm like, hey, dang it, I should have gotten a palate expander. Like right. instead I of removing know. teeth, right? Yeah. Well, oh yeah, they p- pull teeth. I'm missing teeth. Right. I, you know, to make room. But also now that I have a deeper understanding and knowledge of airway and how important having a nice open airway is, I it's it just it, it's remarkable. I no longer feel badly that my children got actually addressed properly. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> because I'm through an expander. No. Yeah, yeah. And now hopefully they'll be able to breathe well for the rest of their lives. Right. So, um, because again, the kind of like when you, you realize that oxygen is the most important thing to our body. So airway is huge, right? And I think when I was listening to your podcast, you've talked about Weston Price before. So Weston Price was a dentist yes. who looked at cultures that did not have industrial agriculture, right? And he saw that they had these beautifully developed skulls and jawbones, straight yes. teeth, big wide smiles. And this was, I mean, he did this in the early 1900s, I think. Right. Research. But what we've seen is that, and again, this all ties together as our diet has changed, as we stopped nursing babies, as, you know, we started doing soft baby food. And then the, you know, the jaws got smaller because they didn't need to grow, right? To eat hard food to the musculature is what's going to help the jaws grow. If you're not nursing a baby and they don't have to work as hard, jaws don't grow as well. So. And then we subsequently have another generation behind the people where this all changed, right? So it's like, if I have small jaws, my kids are going to have small jaws right. as this passes down. Yeah. And so 
for Dennis, this is, it, it, we see a lot of signs, right? We can see signs of sleep apnea in, in our patients. Clenching and grinding, we're starting to realize is highly associated with airway. So when we see that wear on people's teeth, especially when we see like those flattening of the front teeth, it can usually mean they're jutting their jaw forward when they're sleeping because the body's trying to keep that airway open. We're, you know, we'd also in our office, we're looking at like tongue tie. When your tongue is tied to the floor of your mouth, it cannot get suctioned into the top of your palate the way it's supposed to when you're sleeping. When it can suction out of your airway, it stays out. You have a nice airway. When it stucks to the floor of your mouth, it falls back in your airway and we start having apneas. So, um, you know, this was a very long rabbit hole. It's hard. I do. I, I was laughing when I said lightly because it, it's, <laughs> it, yeah, it is. I know we have three, only three more hours to go. We'll be done. <laughs> but it's, I mean, and it's, you know, if you don't develop the palate, the palate is the floor of the nasal cavity. If that's not broad and developed, your nasal cavity is narrow and small. And now we can't nasal breathe. And now we're mouth breathing. And now we're having microbiomes out of balance, you know cavities, all, all the things, and it all relates, right? So it's a big part of... So it really is connected to overall health. Yes. <laughs> You're not just making that up. That's right. <laughs> and and it, the mouth is actually attached to the nasal cavity. It's it, right it's, there. It's wild. <laughs> <laughs> well, and there is, if you think about like our, that there's a lot going on in this small space in the front of our head. Like the, it's just, there's a lot involved in there. Right. So we, we really did just scratch the surface, but it, it, it was such an important conversation. I, I just am really, really grateful that you were able to, to join us and at least give people a little tease of, I know, what biological dentistry is and how it ties in with, with overall health and why I have become so passionate about it. So I'm, I'm really happy you're here. I want to give people a, a resource of, you know, if they want to learn more about biological dentistry, I'm guessing I know where you're going to send them, but where, where would you send them to look? I love the International Academy of Oral Medicine and Toxicology. Yeah. And for those of us who like abbreviations, yes, the IAOMT. Yeah. And I think it is IAOMT.org. Is that their it is. site? Yeah. You can. Find a practitioner. You can learn more about it. For everybody that that's in my world that's been dying for this interview to release, that's where I was sending people. Well, here for now, just exactly. look there. Yeah, um, they, it has even like questions to ask your dentist. They've also taken on starting to train biologic dentists, right? So it's not a specialty; it's just a philosophy. And so the IAOMT is trying to. Make sure that if you're identifying yourself as a biologic dentist, that you're actually like walking the walk, right? That yeah. you're not just saying, I'm a biologic dentist, but you're actually right. Well, it's the same with the, with functional, like anybody can legally say they're a functional medicine provider or they practice, fun, you know, or right. in my world, anybody can be a health coach. That's why I'm board certified. Like you want right. to get, you really want to look for, the training to know that that somebody is really doing what they say. Exactly. Yeah. So. so they're a great resource. Again, they have all the research and and the directory. So for people that are that are not local, they can look and figure out where to go. And yeah, and we didn't share you are you are in Fort Collins, Colorado. 
That's right. Yeah. I'm in Fort Collins and, you know, busy. <laughs> busy. We are busy. There's not, <laughs> you know, there's no other biologic dentist here yet. And I don't think there's anyone until Jackson Hole, <laughs> Wyoming. So but there's a, there's a big gap, but uh, yeah, we're in Fort Collins. Our practice is called Aronson Family Dental. You know, you can find us on Instagram or Facebook or just the website and yeah. And everybody's super friendly. So if you, if you are local, I suggest you reach out. So I warned you and you know this already, but I'm now going to ask you what is one step that listeners can take today to start to improve their health? You know, kind of staying specific, I think find out if you have those hidden infections, you know, either if your dentist doesn't have that 3D x-ray, I would get one. Just get that baseline. Make sure, especially if you're struggling with like, what is there something, right, that right. I can't, I would look into that. It's amazing what what we find when we start taking those 3D images. Yeah. I think that that's brilliant. That was, I, I like I said, I, I waited. I was dying to, to see what was going on in my mouth. And then not surprised to find out I had some stuff to take care of. So even though I didn't have those kind of symptoms. so Yeah, exactly. Amazing. Thank you, Dr. Aronson, for joining us. You have shared amazing gold. I know you probably think like you just scratched the surface, but I just think listeners are going to get so much value out of this episode. Thank you so much, Julie. I appreciate it. And thanks for helping me let people know what it is. Yeah, you know? no more hiding. Just, you have right. to be a leader. I know. <laughs> You've been called. <laughs> I've accepted it. Yeah. I've accepted it. I just, I want dentists and I want people to understand that, it, you know, there's another way yeah. and that, can, that we can focus on supporting your health. So. Love it. Yeah. Thank you so much. For You're everyone welcome. listening, remember you can get the show notes and transcripts by visiting inspiredliving.show. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. I'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to Julie Michelson's Inspired Living with Autoimmunity. Did you enjoy this episode? Please like, share, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. If you'd like to get a transcript of this and every other episode, just head on over to inspiredliving.show or click on the link in this episode's description. There, you can also find everything we discussed in this episode, including links and information about our guests. You can even send in your questions to be answered by Julie in a future episode. That's inspiredliving.show. Until next time, this is Julie Michelson's Inspired Living with Autoimmunity podcast, helping you take your power back.